Welcome to Economics of Learning. I'm your host, Dr. Don Killingbeck, and I'm joined today by a, a guest named Ron Wilson from IDEX. But Ron, your, your story is, is uh, uh, a lot longer than your history with IDEX. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in education, and, and a little bit about IDEX as well. Okay. Well, I uh, uh, just retired here in June. Um, I've had uh, uh, 37 years in, in education, uh, uh, 31 of those in, in K-12 public and, and the rest uh, in parochial. Um, I uh, started off my career in education as a youth specialist and uh, teaching uh, vocational readiness at Eagle Village. And uh, it was uh, a residential treatment facility for emotionally impaired juvenile delinquents and uh, kind of shaped my thoughts on, on education. And I knew that working with kids that had already embedded themselves in the justice system uh, was not what I wanted to do. So um, anyways, I, uh, my first job in public education was in Mount Pleasant. Uh, where I taught building trades and, and also I, I had a few math classes I taught. Um, from there, I uh, went on to uh, become an assistant uh, principal uh, in the Harrison District and I was also their special ed director. Uh, uh, from there, I went to a principal's position in Harrison and then also a curriculum director. And then in 2005, um, I, I went through the, the uh, Michigan Leadership Institute Superintendents Academy and uh, became superintendent of, of uh, Cass City Public Schools. Actually, I was superintendent and business manager there. I was there for uh, almost five years. Then I went to Howell and uh, was in Howell for five years. And then uh, uh, worked for IDEX for a year and a half and then went back into public education as superintendent of Ionia Public Schools. And I was there uh, from 2016 until uh, June of uh, June 30th of this year. So kind of a fairly uh, diverse background as far as an education. Um, at one time, I even drove bus. So I've, I've done, you know, I've drove bus, I've taught, you know, I've kind of worked myself up through the ranks. Um, IDEX, I started using IDEX when I was superintendent in Howell. And uh, basically, IDEX is a data analytics company that does benchmarking for public schools. And, uh, and, and you know, the best way I can describe that is when you, when you go to your doctor, um, they're going to have these benchmarks they will use to gauge your, your health based on your height, your weight, your age, you know, and any other, um, you know, any other problems you may have. And uh, so in my case, you know, when I go to my doctor, they don't benchmark me against a 25-year-old NFL linebacker, but rather a 61-year-old man who's been pretty hard on his body, you know. So, but the benchmarking is something that, that uh, really allows us to take a deeper look at our practices and, and look for people that maybe are dealing with the same population of students in a very similar circumstance that maybe are getting better results than we are. And uh, so, uh, you know, thereby, you know, informing or better informing best practice and allowing us to make adjustments uh, in our instruction and assessment, you know, to uh, help improve student learning. So I, and you may have kind of started down this road of the next question, but why data? Why do we want to benchmark? Why do we, why do we need to benchmark and why do we need to look at this? You know, what's interesting is that, that data is all around us and, uh, and uh, it's, uh, I almost uh, compare it to gravity, you know, and, and, and whether you believe in gravity or, or not, 
if you step off a cliff, you know, the, the effects of gravity are going to have a severe impact on you. So in data is the same way, you know, if you uh, think about uh, Tua Gawande's work, uh, when he talks about the World Health Organization and going into an area where there's an epidemic, uh, the first thing that they would look for were people that were living in the same region under the same circumstances that were not being afflicted by the disease. And, and they call that positive deviance. And thereby they would look at those people and try to determine why or what they were doing differently. And I think if, if you're probably familiar of the story of the guinea worm and and uh, when in Africa, when they had this big outbreak and the World Health Organization went in, uh, the guinea worm is, is transmitted through water uh, for people that they would ingest it and drink it. And uh, if the water is contaminated, the guinea worm gets into your system. It's very, very painful. And what they found is that the, this one group that wasn't being afflicted, uh, be, they, would, they were using the same water source as these other uh, villages that were being afflicted, but one village in particular would take two pieces of cloth and put it over the, uh, the, the jug that they had the water in, and as they poured it into another vessel, um, it acted as a screen, you know, and it would screen out those microorganisms that were the guinea worm larva. And uh, so you compare the same, he talks about comparing it to medicine, but I'm looking at it in terms of education. And so um, uh, in Howell, for instance, we had uh, Southwest Elementary School, uh, which was a fairly, uh, uh, had a fairly high free and reduced lunch counter, a lot of kids that were economically disadvantaged. And, and although we were a, a very affluent community, a very large district with it, when I was there, almost 9,000 students, um, the comparison for us was actually a district uh, in Stockbridge, one of their elementaries there. And so we were able to go ahead and send a team over there, uh, look at the work that they were doing and came back and, and they were doing a much better job and what we found with, with early literacy. And, and so we applied some of the things that we learned and some of the things that we saw there and, and had some great, great results. And uh, so it's, it's uh, um, you know, the, the data piece is something that everything you do, you know, driving your car, there's, there's data in there. And you think about data is just feedback on practice, you know? And so if you look at your car, you've got a gas gauge and a tachometer and a oil pressure and a, a you know, you're going to have your, you know, amps, you know, you're going to have all those different gauges on there that give you feedback on what's happening with your car along with the speedometer, you know? And uh, so to, I, I think it just basically gives us more knowledge or a better understanding of what's happening and be able to make adjustments accordingly. Okay. Well, you know, how do you deal with, you know, the emotional decisions? Do you have any like, uh, questions or a rubric or how do you cut through the emotional side of education when you're looking at data? What, are, what is the process to do that for you? Well, in, in practice, for me, um, I'll give you a great example, and, and that was something I dealt with recently um, uh, before I left Ionia. Um, we were looking at our data from our elementary schools, and, and when, they, when I interviewed in Ionia, I had actually uh, used the IDEX tool to do a workup on Ionia, and I noticed that there was some great disparity between achievement uh, in some of their elementary schools. And when the board inter interviewed me, uh, 2016, I pointed that out and I said, I don't know exactly what the cause is, but you've got some, some, 
some outliers there that are creating some issues. And so after we dug into it, we could see that, that for a period of time going back probably 12 years, uh, the district had allowed parents to uh, basically school a choice within district. And uh, what had happened is uh, a, a couple of our elementaries uh, were kind of magnets for the parents that were a little bit more affluent. And, uh, and of course, the, the, some of our best teachers, when positions would come open in that building, would, would go that way or go to that building. And, uh, and so over time, you know, we ended up with almost a story of the haves and have, have nots. And so um, basically we, you know, looked at it as administrative team and included the board and uh, came up with a recommendation. We, we had two elementary buildings that were very low performing, uh, uh, that were economically disadvantaged, that were only uh, at single sections in those buildings. And, uh, and so, you know, from a financial standpoint, we were spending about a half a million dollars more a year by the time you figure the additional staff and operations of the building. And so we basically recommended that we eliminate that school of in-district school of choice and have those kids go to the elementary schools that are assigned, you know, by address. And, uh, and, and it was a very emotional thing where a lot of parents were upset and you're upsetting the apple cart and stuff like that. But it was the right decision. And uh, unfortunately, it was a situation where the board struggled to, to make the decision and, and it became so polarized at the board at the board level that my board president and treasurer ended up resigning. And uh, and so, you know, I understand the emotion involved in making decisions. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to look at what's best for kids and look at what our data shows, you know, and, and, and in this particular situation, the, one of the buildings that was the primary building of choice uh, had a very, very low special ed uh, population. Um, it uh, economically disadvantaged kids. It had much fewer uh, than the other two buildings. And then also, um, as far as, you know, how that building achieved was much, much different. And, uh, and so, and even in terms of ethnicity, you know, I mean, the, 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 the basically what had happened is by allowing the in-district school of choice at the elementary level, uh, you know, the, the parents that couldn't be advocates or for their kids or couldn't transport their kids to the other elementary school, which we didn't, we, we weren't providing transportation for in-district school of choice, but at the same time, the building that was one of the choice buildings that parents wanted to be in. There were so many coming into that building that we were busing um, over a hundred kids um, to different buildings, some of them uh, outside of the city limits, some rural buildings in order to make room for the kids that were coming in via schools of choice. So I certainly understand, you know, the emotional part, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost to me, it's almost like you have a toddler and you're in the checkout line at, at Myers and the toddler sees some candy, you know, and wants a bunch of candy, you know, and, and, and emotionally they're, they're attached to that, you know, and, and they make a scene, but as the parent or as an administrator, you know, you have to, you know, you know, base your decision not on emotion, but based on what's best for the kid and probably for a toddler to have a, you know, a, a, a 12 ounce, you know, Hershey bar or something like that's probably not a real good call, you know, and so it's, it's always difficult to separate the two, but, but I think that, that, uh, um, you know, people's opinions will change and, and opinions usually are driven by emotion, you know, 
um, you know, Covey talks about the fact that that uh, uh, basically that that our, our attitudes are are driven, our behavior is driven by our attitudes, and our attitudes are driven by our knowledge base. And so, um, if you don't have a good, strong data or knowledge base, then you're going to make decisions that probably aren't wise. You know, look at the number of people that smoke cigarettes or cigars. You know. Uh, uh, there's all sorts of things that we do that, that people continue to do, despite the fact that it's probably not good for us. And those are emotional decisions. You know, if, they, if, if the decisions were based on, on data, uh, they would know that they're going to shorten their lifespan by engaging in some of those activities or it's going to have a, a negative effect on them. So um, that's probably a little more verbose than what you wanted, but uh, oh, great. at least my perspective on that. So. So, um, you know, obviously, well, you have two sides of the coin. I mean, you want that data decision and making decisions that uh, are best practice for kids. And then you have the emotional side uh, of decision making that, that comes into play. What advice would you have for school leaders? Um, you know, you've spent a number of years as a, a superintendent, a building principal, um, assistant principal, a teacher. You've worked with at-risk kids. What piece of advice would you have for school leaders when it comes to data and resource allocation, how to best allocate resources? You know, one of the things I like about the IDEX program um, uh, is the ability to benchmark on the financial end. And, uh, and so one of the things that I noticed uh, when I went to Ionia is that, that they were an outlier based on their comparable peers. So I, I picked 12 peers uh, based on the free and reduced lunch count and size of the district and noticed that we were spending significantly more in some key areas. And so uh, my first year in Ionia, uh, we, uh, I didn't develop the budget. I inherited the budget that they had and, and they were off on their student count by about 83 kids, which had a huge impact. So the, the board had policy that said we couldn't drop below 8% fund equity. And so we were, we were at 4%. So I was gonna have to cut a million two out of the budget to balance it. And by using the, the IDEX tool to go in and look at the financial piece, I cut a million two out of the budget uh, without impacting students, without cutting services to kids. And, and I didn't, didn't even lay anybody off. Uh, some of it was done by attrition. Um, and that was really powerful. And I think it sent a message to our community and to our staff because I included them in the process. Um, but the, the bigger picture there is that, that, you know, going back to the situation in Ionia, uh, they had a strategic plan that was very specific in terms of what outcomes they were looking for, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and, and you know, one of the strategic plans uh, uh, was based on uh, those three corollary questions that, that uh, DeFore talks about. And the first one being, you know, um, uh, how do we, are we clear on what we expect our students to know by grade, by course, and by unit? You know, and that first one is basically your curriculum, you know, or is everyone clear on what they expect those kids to know? The second one is, is how are we going to know when they're learning or not learning? So do we have good summative and formative assessments in order to, uh, you know, gauge, you know, the work we're doing or give us feedback or data? Uh, the next part of it is how are we going to respond when kids aren't learning? So do we have a pyramid of interventions to, you know, we, we don't want to wait 
till summer, you know, if a kid's struggling in November or December, you don't want to wait till summer to provide the, the, the work, that, the help that they need. So uh, I only had a really good strategic plan and uh, identified uh, uh, academic goals. It, it identified uh, public relation goals. It identified uh, financial goals. And, uh, and one of the financial goals, you know, was to maximize uh, facility usage. And so, um, you know, the, the thing you run into as an administrator is that unless you have a good strategic plan and everyone's pulling the same direction, um, it's very hard uh, to make decisions and, and to, you know, move your district forward. And, and your board plays a big role in that, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, in, in my experience in Ionia, my last year there, um, I, I, I only had one board member that was there when I was hired, you know, so in, in just, uh, just over five years time, they had a transition, you know, uh, of, you know, with, with basically, uh, um, including some interims, I think it was actually 10 new board members. And, uh, and, and some of those board members had, despite, you know, uh, uh, MASB training had not taken time to really look at and understand uh the direction that we were with that we had agreed to move and so it became a very emotional type of a of a, of a situation so i think that that having a clear direction you know having uh having some common goals uh because you know it's it's uh and, and even even the knowledge base piece is is huge um, if you don't look at that data and, and you know, for instance, Ionia, uh, the business manager had actually put together a spreadsheet that showed that if they didn't, because of declining enrollment, declining birth rates in the county and so declining enrollment at the elementary level, if they didn't, you know, close a building, you know, and, 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 and somewhat redistrict those kids, um, that the district was basically going to burn through their fund equity, which, um, uh, was higher than it was significantly higher than it was when I came on board. It was it was uh, uh, over twenty percent when I left, and uh, within you know two and a half years, based on the on the projections that we had, um, and this was before we knew we were going to get all these federal dollars, these escrow funds. But but basically, um, the district was going to be back in a situation where they were going to drop below five um, percent fund equity, which was would you know trigger you know, uh, treasury and MDE's part to come in and start looking at us at a deficit district. So um, I guess the best thing is, is that, you know, keep a short account with people and, uh, and, and, and recognize that you, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes you have to agree to disagree, but I think as, as a leader, uh, you have to make decisions that are in the best interest of the organization and and in in the right decision you know like i said opinions are going to change but what's right for kids and what's best for your district is not going to necessarily change so um and so it takes some courage to stand up and and, and take a stand on those things and and uh, uh in my case like i said i had over 30 years in education you know so i was eligible to retire and for me, you know, I wasn't going to stay and dismantle programs that I had put in place that were good for kids, you know, and I wasn't going to see our fund equity, you know, diminish and have to lay off staff and, and stuff like that. So um, I, I think sometimes the dilemma that, that administrators get into, and especially young administrators get into, they, they almost feel trapped um, because they may be getting pressure from different groups. Uh, to make a decision, you know, that's based on emotion, you know, when the data doesn't back that up. So, um. so what I heard from you, 
for advice for school leaders is data. And so have some sort of information system, have some sort of way to gather and, and resource data. And then use some sort of framework. You mentioned before, but have some sort of framework when it comes to instruction. And, and because that's what schools are. They're teaching and learning organizations. And so what kind of framework are you using? And then I think lastly, and it was one of the most important things I heard you say is focus on kids. That's what, that's what we're here for and do that. Ron, do you have any parting words for our audience that's listening today? Well, I just, uh, you know, I think that, that there's no other job that occurring, uh, nothing more important in any community in this country than what's going on in our school buildings, you know, and if I'm, I'm a student of history, and if you look at conquering nations, as they came in, the first people that went to the wall were their, their uh, uh, politicians, uh, their, their uh, 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 attorneys or, or legal advisors, and then their educators, because they recognize the impact that those three groups have. And so um, I would encourage you know, people in education to continue to, to fight the good fight and, and do what's best for kids. Let that be your lit litmus and in uh, uh, Godspeed, it's uh, I, I just uh, um, am really uh, in awe of the work that our staffs are doing with our kids through this COVID thing, and and certainly hope that uh, uh, we'll continue to see uh, you know growth academically. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Economics of Learning, and make sure to stay tuned for our next episode.